It was so great. I can't even describe how wonderful it was to find her. I had uh, prayed for her so much during her life and just always wondered what she looked like and how tall she was and imagined if I ever passed her on the street or anything like that. Hello, you are listening to NPE Stories. This is a podcast where NPEs can share their story. I am your host, Lily, and I found out I was an NPE through an ancestry DNA test that changed my life forever. NPE is a term that stands for not parent expected or non-paternal event. This means that one or more of our parents are not who we believe them to be. NPE Stories is a podcast where NPEs can share their story of what their original family was like, how they found out they were an NPE, and what their journey has been like since the day they found out. And welcome to episode 166. And today I am speaking with Nikki. Hi, Nikki. Hi, Lily. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Oh, no, this is this is so great of you. I, I was really looking forward to this all day. Uh, you know, I don't even know what part of the country you're in. Where are you from? Well, I am currently living in uh, Utah. I've lived a lot of places and I've moved a lot in my lifetime, but I am currently residing in Utah. Mm, beautiful. I went out there during on a road trip during the pandemic. It was absolutely gorgeous there. It is a stunning place. The, you just can't beat those Wasatch Mountain Ranges. Oh wow! Do you, are you anywhere near Moab? No, that's more that's southern. I'm more um, kind of in the middle near Salt Lake area, a little bit north of there. Mm, lucky, lucky you! Sounds oh, beautiful. Thank you. All right, so I think we're both. We were talking about being a little emotional before we got started. Yeah, mm. I would say I am. Uh, on average, I'm pretty open and I can tell my story anywhere, but this makes it more real and tangible. I think when you do it in this format. So um, thank you to all the MPEs that have gone before me. Um, They, during uh, my time and listening over the years, a year and a half, I guess, close to that, um, I just really appreciated having them with me. So everybody that's gone before me, thank you. (laughs) That's so sweet. Okay, Miss Nikki, let's get into your background story, and let's find out about your family of origin, and we'll just kind of take it from there. All right. I was born and raised in Idaho. It's about three hours from here in a special little place called the Magic Valley. The Magic Valley is made up of several um, tiny little towns, uh, so everyone knows everyone, which makes my MPE story a little bit more complicated for me because of the feelings that you have about your small town. Uh, I was born and raised in one of the towns. My mom and dad um, had had been married, and um, it gets complicated kind of right from the beginning. I had an older brother. He was about a year, a year and a half, oh, two years older than I was. Um, somewhere between, I was born in January 1973, and somewhere between then and March of 74, um, my mom had an affair and um, divorced my dad. and. Um, remarried. So she was remarried in March of 74. So it was pretty quick and I was very young. Um, I don't know. I ask a lot of questions when I was older, but the questions are usually, they're not avoided, but they're short answers and 
not really detailed. There's not a lot of detail in the story. So I was kind of blank. I do know that they, I mean, they split my brother and I, so my brother stayed with my dad and I went with my mom. Of course, when I was so young, I didn't know any different, but I grew up thinking that my stepdad kind of was my dad. Um, so I think at some point you're, you figure you're kind of an MPE twice. <laughs> Mm-hmm. At least I make that joke because I grew up with my stepdad. And then at some point along the way, I probably realized that I had another dad that was my birth certificate father. So I grew it was great. I lived on a 180 acre farm, though. I couldn't complain. I rode a lot of horses. We had a lot of crops, a lot of rural. Um, it was a rural community. Um, my stepdad's mom lived half a mile up the road. So I got to ride to grandma's house often and spend time with her. My parents were into rodeo quite a bit, so um, and were pretty dominant in rodeo. By the time I was ten, I was the Idaho Cowboys Association Rookie of the Year, and was competing alongside older women such as my mother. My mother and I placed um, first and second in the rodeo circuit um, that year, and I was the youngest. And I think I still hold the record of being the youngest rookie of the year um, for that association. So I was. Um, I've been scouted even in like 12, 13 years old for uh, potentially rodeoing for the local college that's there. And um, I was a good athlete in basketball and things like that. Um, When I was 10, I was given up for adoption by my birth certificate father and um, my stepdad adopted me. So that changed my birth certificate. So when I look at my birth certificate, there's my stepdad's name and not my real dad's name. And that didn't, when I was 10, it didn't really bother me. But when I got to be about, you know, 12 or 13, I, you know, you just had those feelings of why would somebody give you away? Um, I didn't really understand because he kept my brother. And so that, you know, was difficult um, and would become difficult for me in years to come. I think as I matured into my 20s, that you know, emotion was just kind of difficult. You learn to forgive people, but it was still a little, little difficult. When I was 14, my mom divorced my, I, it's really hard the terms because now he's my birth, my stepfather, birth certificate father. Um, and we moved about 20 miles to the next little small town where she had grown up. Um, her sister, my aunt Linda lived there and my grand and her dad, my grandpa lived there and I spent the next 12 years and she had gone to school in that next small town that was over. I probably, I don't know if I should give this town's name, so I won't, um, because it is so small and I want to protect people as best I can for confidentiality. But, um, within six months of her divorcing my birth certificate, father, stepfather, um, I was pregnant. Um, I took the divorce, I think, a little hard. Your life changes quite a bit after a divorce. And um, so the decision was made to emancipate me so that I could marry um, the baby's dad, who was 19. So there was a five-year difference between the two of us. We ended up getting married in um, Christmas of my freshman high school year. And we went on to be married for six and a half years. Um, During that time, I reconnected with my original birth certificate father um, because he worked in the small town that we had moved to. He, you know, again, everybody lived within 20, 30 minutes of each other the whole time I grew up. And um, so we reconnected. We didn't, we, and we 
stayed connected for a while. I left Idaho when I was 24, um, skipping back just a little bit. So I'd gotten married. We, he and I uh, had been married six and a half years and we had two children. So um, then we ended up getting divorced in 1994. In 1996, I was remarried and had another child. And then I left Idaho in 1999. From there, um, we went, we moved all over. He was in the military and we went to different places that, that marriage didn't last either. We were married for 11 years and, um, and I'm going to only say why it didn't last because that will come into play with what I had experienced in my life to the point when I found out I was an MPE. So he had a sexual addiction and he had several marital affairs. And um, out of the 11 years, we spent seven years either in pastoral or professional counseling. And so in that, you got to deal with a lot of the childhood adoption, the, you know, just all those things that make you who you are in a good way or a bad way. You address your feelings. Um, you you know, the grief of having one failed marriage and then struggling with the second failed marriage. And there was a lot of grief involved. So we were um, divorced in 2009. And that was a very traumatic divorce for me, I would say, because I had fought really long and hard through counseling to try to preserve the marriage. Um, I didn't want another divorce. Um, and it still chokes me up a little bit because I fought really, really hard. People thought I was crazy. <laughs> um, in 2010, that young little baby that I'd gotten pregnant with, um, had went off in to the military and, um, he was killed in Afghanistan. So there'd just been a lot of trauma, you know, and, um, but I'm an overcomer. My name is Nikki and I'm the goddess, you know, Nikki is a short term for Nike and that's the goddess of victory. So I can tell you, I've overcome a lot of things. Life seemed to smooth out a little bit after those couple of years. And that was nice. I got some peace back, some stability. My youngest son was involved in swimming and, and, um, we just, it was good. My daughter, you know, she did really good and, and they're just all great. I have three children and, and they're just wonderful and supportive and loving. Fast forward to 2020. Um, I had met another gentleman and, um, that year we ended up getting married and, um, also, oh, I need to back up just a minute to when I did get pregnant. And this is kind of important. Um, mm -hmm. when I did get pregnant as a teenager, one of the community ladies that was trying to console me, um, in my mistake of becoming pregnant had said to me, well, you know, your mom had a baby when she was 17 and gave her up for adoption. And I remember feeling very shocked about that. Um, because my mom and I were so close. We spent, you know, that rodeoing that we did, we were together all the time and we, we laughed together. We competed against each other. I mean, and I, so for me, not, I thought I knew everything about her. So when I had learned that I had a half sister out in the world somewhere, I wanted to know more. And so any, but anytime I would ask questions about that, you know, I mean, where did you, 
How old were you? Who was it with? You know, all the questions that you ask in a normal wanting to know. She was just very vague and she would get upset and angry. And I understood that, you know, I mean, it's not a pride, a proud moment for her. And I'm sure it was challenging and the things that she faced too. So I just left it alone. I prayed for that little girl a lot. I did find out that it was a little girl and I loved her and it was wonderful. Um, But in 2020, she came back into our lives through DNA. So she had done a DNA test in search of finding her biological parents and and connected with a third cousin of ours and was able to use the search angels that a lot of us are familiar with in the MPE world um, to find us. And so she'd written a letter um, to my aunt and to my mom, you know, the typical adoption letter, like, hey, I'm just looking for some health information and, and, and I think you're my parent. And we confirmed that it was my mom and it was so great. I can't even describe how wonderful it was to find her. I had uh, prayed for her so much during her life and just always wondered what she looked like and how tall she was and, you know, imagined what it would be. Um, Imagined if I ever passed her on the street or anything like that. So Finding Diane was amazing, and I'm so thankful for her. Um, sorry. <laughs> no, oh, please, you're fine. Oh. Yeah, I just, she's, it was just great. My mom was a little bit reserved, you know. I mean, she's a little bit more withdrawn probably than I was, but I, you know, if I wouldn't, if she would not have come with me, I would have went and met Diane together, but we did that together too. Um, we went, we flew out to meet Diane and we did it together. And, and so we were, you know, very close. So in 2020, the summer of 2021, my original birth certificate father, who I had, you know, we did Christmas. I, I had moved to Alaska when I left Idaho. So again, I was not around every day in that small town area anymore. You know, when I would come home, I'd make sure that I'd see everybody, but I was, you know, they weren't part of my everyday life and I wasn't part of their everyday life. Um, But in 2021, he said, I need to sit down and talk to you about my estate. I'm getting older and I need to do some planning. I said, okay. And so I made time for that and we sat down and, and um, he said, well, he said, you haven't been around as much as your brother. And so I don't feel like you're entitled to half of my estate. Um, and, you know, it's he goes, Buck's been around and he's been with me since he was little. And I remember, I mean, you accept what people say because it's your estate. You can do with it what you want. You know, you respect that individuality. But I remember also feeling once again, like, um, wow, you know, it wasn't my fault that you, my parents split me up when I split us up when I was a little girl. It wasn't my, you know, it's not my fault that I've been away, you know, and all of a sudden you're just once again saying to me, you know, I'm not as important to you as a daughter, you know, I'm not important to you is what I heard. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I, it was just tough. Um, so, and also during around that same time, and I can't remember if it was the same week or not, I had met with my brother and he had told me a story that my dad and his brother, my uncle had went to lunch together. And during the lunch, they were discussing the state and the uncle said to my dad, well, you know, everybody in the Valley knows Nikki's not yours. I don't know why you can't accept it. 
And I was like, and even Buck and I, we look a lot alike. And I said, but I've always, I am taller than everybody in my family. And I remember asking about that when I was a little girl. I was like, why do you think I'm so much tall? I mean, I'm taller than my dad, my brother, my mom. I'm taller than a lot of my cousins. I mean, I'm, you know, and one other thing that always kind of stood out to me was, um, my body composition as a woman. I'm the only one in my family that gains weight in her hips and thighs, whereas they gain weight kind of around their midsection and their legs stay really slim. <laughs> and I remember those are the only two oddities, but those are things that, you know, I didn't, you know, stay or ponder on for a long time. But when this comment was made from the uncle and it was relayed back to me on top of the fact that I'm being told that I'm not as eligible for the, you know, for the inheritance, I just was. So I'd asked my dad, well, let's go get, I don't know why uncle Ralph would say something like that, but let's go get a DNA test. And he was like, no, I remember I asked him three times. I'm like, please, let's just go get it. You know I mean? Why not? We knew that my mom had had that affair quite soon after I'd been born. You just don't know what people do in life. You know, now somebody's questioning it. I'm all in. Nobody else was all in. I called my mom. I remember leaving and I called my mom at some point and I was just, you know, unload, not unloading, but downloading, sharing my heartache with what he had said and, and where things were going. And, and I remember saying to her, and I'm going to just say the birth certificate stepdad, but I said, is the birth certificate stepdad? And I called him by his name, but is he my father? And she goes, no, so-and-so is absolutely not your father. And so she, you know, she was just very firm about that. And I thought, okay, well, she goes, I don't know why anybody would say what they're saying. And I said, okay, well, I, you know, I don't either, but I am extremely hurt by these couple of days and we hung up and no more was said. So then of course I called my sister, Diane, and I said, you know, I talked to her about DNA and um, how it all worked and ancestry.com and 23andMe. And I just pondered it. I prayed about it for a couple of days. I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't want to cause any waves, but I really want to know, like, I just could not get that what had been said out of my mind. And so finally, I, she had went with, she goes, I had more paternal matches at 23andMe than I did at Ancestry. And after I'd seen her Ancestry results, I was like, well, we already know what my mom's side is. And her dad and my dad are, you know, wouldn't have been the same anyway. And so I was like, okay, I'll do 23andMe since you got more paternal matches from that. So that's what I did. I ordered my kit. It came. I spit in the tube. And that was around October. Um, must, I don't remember the exact day, but I got the results back October 22nd of 2021. Like the rest of us, I opened it and I just looked, I had first cousin matches and, um, their last names were somebody that I didn't even recognize at all. It was a brother and sister match, um, that I both came back. So high Santa Morgans, I don't even remember what they were. And then I had, I seen a third cousin with the last name Caps. Um, and I, that didn't mean anything to me either. I didn't know. So 
So I shared my results with my uh, sister. And, and then I actually called my cousin Sandy because she, again, they live in that small town where my aunt was, my grandpa was, and um, where my mom had went to school. And I just said, don't call, don't call your mom, but see what you can find out with what I'm giving you. You know, I, I said, uh, well, you know, my birth certificate father is not my dad. And here's my first cousins and those names. But the minute I said to her, the third cousin's name caps, uh, she goes, uh, there's, there's tons of caps around here. And I'm like, really? And she's like, yes. And I said, okay. She goes, give me 30 minutes and I'll call you right back. <laughs> I said, okay. Cause I was driving home. I was driving back from Idaho. My daughter actually lives now in that small town area, um, with everybody. <laughs> and so, uh, she called me back within 30 minutes and she goes, you won't believe it. I love this kind of stuff. I found an obituary and, uh, Sure. And she goes, this is, you know, Mrs. Caps. I'm not going to use her first name. And she has four sons and, um, you know, blah, blah. She kind of broke it down for me. And I was like, wow, that's fast. But again, it's not confirmation. So then I reached out to my sister again. And I said, how do you get on the search angels? I want them to do more digging. I, I want to know that I know before I say anything. To this point, I had not told my mom or my birth certificate dad that I was doing the testing. I joined the search angels on October 27th. And by November 2nd, they had uh, had the results for me. And they said exactly, they mimicked exactly what my cousin had found in my grandma and my grandma Caps's obituary. There were four brothers. One of them was the same age as my mom. One was a couple years younger and then the two youngest ones. And uh, so at some point along the way, I thought, oh, goodness, I better at least start informing my mom. I had already knew the results, but I emailed her or texted her something and said, you know, I just want you to know I've done a DNA test. And, uh, you know, of course, she was defensive, citing that I, you know, well, you'll tell the whole Facebook world. And she was just defensive. And so... I just kept, you know, leading her along. Okay, um, the test said they'll come, you know, it'll be back. And again, I was I was not truthful in that, but I felt like I needed to give her time to prepare <laughs> for the results that I already had. Mm -hmm. So and I'd also done reached out to the first cousins via social media. I found both of them, um, the girl cousin more on uh, Facebook and um, I found the boy cousin on Instagram and, and emailed them both. And I had, I emailed them actually on October 23rd and had gotten nothing back from either one of them. But the day that I got the search angel results, the next day um, the, my cousin responded via Facebook. And so I had, I knew that it was between two, probably the two older brothers and so I'd narrowed it down to two men at that point. On November 3rd, I finally, after I talked to my cousin and gotten information from her too, um, about the family, because it's very big. Um, they are a large, large family. My grandma had, I believe, six kids. And so there were a lot of um, aunts and uncles to boot along with cousins. So I emailed my mom on November 3rd. And later that day, because we had kind of stopped talking, um, she'd gotten defensive, not really, but not as much as we had previously. 
Um, so I later that evening, I told her, I texted her and I said, check your email. And in my email that I drafted with her, I laid out what had happened. You know, I took the DNA. There was, I sent it to the search angels. There was two brothers with the possibility. And she responded back in the text, who are the two brothers? And I told her and she responded back confirming that she had been with the oldest brother one time. Mind you, she was married to my birth certificate father and my brother would have probably been about a year old um, when I was conceived. And so that's probably, you know, there's a lot there, a lot to unpack for her, a lot to, you know, admit that not only had she had the affair with my birth certificate stepfather that led to their divorce, but now there was another one that she was going to have to own up to. And she was defensive, as is most mothers. And um, and she told me that they had went, you know, that her and my birth certi- or my birth father had went to high school. They'd been friends in high school, and then it was a long story. And I said, not I said, knowing that I, if I tried not to pressure her anymore, I just thanked her for being honest and told her that one day I'd love to hear the story. Um, then the cousin and I got. Um, to talking on and going through the timelines and cause I didn't know if I wanted to reach out. I mean, instantly I kind of do, you know, I want to know this man, the, the cousin that had, that I first reached out to that had given me my grandma, uh, grandma Mary's or sorry, my grandma Caps's um, obituary. She had also sent me a Facebook picture of who she thought was the one of the two brothers that was my dad. And so I had at least seen him, but the last thing I ever wanted to do was cause him any heartache. So with the cousin that's on his side of the family, we kind of worked out the timeline. Um, you know, he was not married at the time. Um, he was not engaged at the time to be married. Um, I think he had started dating Uh, No, I do know now. Now I know that he had started dating um, his wife, who this in a month will celebrate their 50th wedding anniversary, which is amazing. And I'm so proud of them. That's very unheard of nowadays. And I'm just really super proud of that longevity that they have together. Um, So uh, on I got his number, you know, the search angels, they give you a plethora of information. You get addresses a lot of times and phone numbers. And actually out of the four brothers, um, my dad's was the only, my birth or my birth father, but I call him dad, um, to a selected crowd. <laughs> I'm really careful of whom I'm around when I call him dad, but he is my dad. Um, for a zillion reasons, he is my dad. And, um, so I got his, I called my, his, one of his brothers and I just, you know, it's a small farming community. So you're like, Hey, how are you? <laughs> my name is Nikki. I'd like to get a hold of Dennis. Can I get his phone number from you? And I was prepared for some questions, but he didn't ask any. <laughs> He's like, sure, here you go. <laughs> I was super shocked. I was like, wow, that was way too easy. So I call. I just you know, I'm pretty bold and I'm outgoing and I'm forward. And actually, you know, I, I've never felt unspecial and, you know, I'm very, uh, people like me when they get to know me. Um, so it, I thought, I just said something in the, when I called him, I'm like, hi, my name is Nikki, you know, you know, my cousin so-and-so and, um, I'm just, you know, would love to have a conversation with you. Give me a call back. 
<laughs> and I text him about that same thing. And, and then I did it again on the fifth and I'm not very patient. I think I said that either <laughs> in the phone call too, like, you know, I'd love to hear from you. I'm not real patient. Sorry. You know, I know I called yesterday, but here I am again. <laughs> uh, sometime in there, I, between the fourth and probably the seventh, I decided I had drafted a letter too. Um, and my letter, I included humor and, and facts and, and a plethora of different things, you know, just a little bit about myself. And of course, mentioned my mom and, and they had went to high school today. And then once I gave him, delivered the news that I think that I'm your daughter and, and, uh, I, you know, encouraged him to go take a long walk. Um, having been through marital unfaithfulness myself, um, my son dying, um, being killed in Afghanistan, I walking saved my life. There's times where, um, you just got to go take a walk because everything else and look at everything that's living and beautiful and, and remind yourself that it's great to be alive and appreciate that because grief is a formidable opponent. So on November 13th, my uh, birth, birth father texts me back after rereading the letter I sent. He was, you know, very um, nice and to the point. And that was nervous, you know, because you just don't know how people are going to take it or how they're going to feel. And, you know, I felt everything for him. Um, I didn't want him to be hurt or feel like I was after anything, really. I mean, I just wanted to know who he was. <laughs> and then um, on November 15th, he called me and that was a Monday. And he's like, hey, um, I have taken a couple, two days and I have a plan. I want to get a, a solid paternity test. And can I come, can you arrange that? And I'm thinking, I mean, I remember I was panicking. I mean, here I'm getting orders from my dad. I'm, you know, I'm very subservient in that way. You know, when dad talks, you know, let's go same way with the boss, you know, Oh, my boss is here. I want to, you know, make them happy. So I, called a couple of places and found a place to do a DNA test. We scheduled it and he was coming on Wednesday and two days later. And sure enough, we, he came and met me at a certain time and I was so just excited to meet him. I, I was um, tense and nervous and everything had happened so fast. I mean, it was just all within a couple of weeks and um, here's the sky on my front porch. And we just embraced right from the get go. I mean, he was a hugger. I'm a hugger. You never know. I mean, there's a lot of people that don't like to hug. <laughs> and uh, we talked and visited and it was, I will cherish those three hours um, alone with him forever. It, we drove, you know, it was about 45 minutes down to where we got tested and our cheeks were swabbed. And two days later, the results came back and it was 99.999%. <laughs> and he was cute about it. When I texted him the results, he called me right away and he goes, well, looks like I have an older daughter. You know, I mean, he was very receptive. He was nervous the day that he left. He said, I, I, I said, it's up to you. I have met you. Um, I want to respect, I know this is difficult. Um, I know that you weren't married or engaged, but he's like, I'm just not sure how my wife's going to take it. And I said, I get it because, um, anytime a woman find, you know, I mean, 
in the realm of perfection, some women believe that when they marry a man, they're the first, they're the only, they're, you know, whatever the case may be. And I didn't know anything about their relationships relationship. I knew they were of the LDS faith and that means a lot to people and, and marriage is very, very sacred and, and as it is with a lot of us, but it's just held in a, you know, there's a ceiling that's done. And I just, I didn't know how she would take it. Neither did him, he. And so I just said, well, you know, honestly, I've met you. And if you decide not to tell your family, I thank you for doing this. I thank you for confirming and, you know, we can shake hands and hug and, and, you know, cause I don't want this to be a burden for you or a stress for you. I mean, you're, I think at that time, 71 years old and it's just, it's a lot. And he was like, well, I'm going to think on it, but I think I'm going to tell my family. And I'm like, okay, well, it's totally up to you. So he and I text back and forth and he, he did tell his family he owned it. Um, it was stressful. His wife did react initially, um, as if he had had an affair yesterday (laughs) and she couldn't quite grasp, um, in the beginning, she couldn't quite grasped that it had happened so long ago. And it was just a shock. It turned their world upside down for a little while. The Some of the kids, they have six beautiful children and lots of grandchildren. And some of my half brothers on their side were welcoming. And they I had written a letter, um, one more letter, just explaining more about myself. And Dennis um, read that to them and hand or handed them copies or something when he told them all just so that they would know. I was prepared because I remember what it felt like when I found out like a real affair, how you feel, how you want to know the other woman, how you, you know, you want to know all the details you want to investigate. I mean, I remember very vividly how I felt when my second husband was unfaithful to me on numerous occasions. And so I think just having that background, I was more mentally prepared for um, how to direct the conversation. Like I wasn't going to talk about my mom because this had really nothing to do with her. I mean, this was about me and this was about, I realized that that event, my conception involved other people, but this, that was 48 years ago at the time. And now it's been 51 years. So I'm still kind of adamant about that. I love my mom and I wanted to protect her. Um, The difficulty in that is bless her heart. Um, She just has a poor, she chooses to respond poorly. So um, she just was negative and we have since stopped talking because she doesn't want to talk about it. And that's part of my life now. I, you know, I don't think she's been to my house since it's happened. I, one time we met in Las Vegas, but it was a couple months for my daughter, one of my granddaughter's cheer events. And it was awkward and it was new. And, you know, there was like an elephant in the room with us. And because she just will not talk about it. She just wants, finally, about four months after I had told her, I finally pushed her and pushed her and pushed her a little bit more from for the details about my conception and, you know, just what happened and, you know, where, and, (laughs) and she wrote me a very small, cold, um, 
paragraph with not a lot of detail and and said, and I will never speak of this again, so don't ask, was the last sentence in the paragraph. So, okay, well, I'm sorry that you feel that way. Um, so now if we see each other, I did get together with her and my brother for Mother's Day, and uh, we just don't talk about it. We pretend like it didn't happen, I guess. At least her and I don't. Um, So that's kind of where my relationship stands with my mom at this point. Um, I text her, love her, but I'm not. uh, I realize the very something about myself is that I carry a lot of the relationship load. I love people. I love to text them. I love to tell them I love them. I love to tell them about my day. Something's going on with my kids, you know, but I've have found that I'm the one that does most of the reaching out, whether it was with my original birth certificate father or, you know, anything, even after my mom divorced my birth certificate stepfather, um, who adopted me, I was the one that reached out and I'm the one that always tries to maintain the connection. And I'm just old enough now that I don't have to, (laughs) (laughs) I don't have to be the one that does that anymore. So Mm. You want a relationship with me? By all means, reach out. So, and on the other side of the fence, um, it took about four months. And then um, my birth father's wife started to come around. I think her faith, I think the importance of family, I think um, her brother, um, helping her brother while helping her walk through and, and process emotions and um, helped in January of 2021, 2022. So that had been about three months after everybody, um, on the cap side was told one of the brothers and the one that I'm closest to invited me to a basketball game. His son was, they were having championships and it was state tournament time and the team was doing really well. And so I went down to the small town because again, I'm down in that small town often, my daughter lives about 20 minutes in another small town from where the whole family was. And um, I'm down there, you know, once or twice a month at minimum, just to see my own grandkids and to squeeze my daughter and give her big hugs and loves and help her with her house and do different things with her. So um, I went down for the uh, basketball game and it was tough. I mean, I, I cannot lie while he was receptive. Um, the oldest daughter at once, nothing to do with me. She still hasn't even met me. Um, and there's been opportunities cause they did invite me to father's day in 2022. Um, they have an annual 4th of July picnic, um, at their house. And I went and, um, so it's been tough in that regard. Um, uh, cause there's only two brothers that are really, really welcoming Right out of the gate, also, when they all were given my information, the youngest daughter started contacting me via Facebook Messenger. And it was interesting because she was, um, she started out like she really wanted to get to know me. And I think there was some of that intent, but most of it was, I think, um, a searching means and method um, sent from her mother to find my mother. So I deflected all of that and it finally came to um, just where we were not even friends on Facebook anymore. We differ politically and, and I just felt, I just told her, I'm like, I'm not sure what your intent is here, but you know, 
let's let bygones be bygones. But when we see each other in person at the family thing, she's, you know, she's nice and, and friendly and, and that's all I could ever ask or hope for, you know, I mean, out of all of it, we're all adults at this point. And it's like, why don't you just, instead of pretending that I'm like this, some long lost sister, why don't you just treat me like I'm someone new that you're just meeting for the first time? I mean, I'm not expecting, there's no way we can ever make up the gap in years that we all missed out, but you could at least treat me like I'm uh, just a, a new person that you met on in a restaurant <laughs> and say, hi, you know, yeah. uh, so, uh, we may not be best buds, but common civility seems like it could go pretty far, especially, I mean, I have to, um, give my birth father a lot of credit. Um, he's endured some, a lot of anger and frustration and his oldest daughter, even at one point kind of tried to disown him and it hurt him pretty bad. Um, I think that a lot of the women in the family um, chose to act out of their own feelings. I'm just, and I hope at some point, I think it's gotten a lot better now, but I just wished early on they would have been more um, step back and, and understand how he must be feeling. I think men um, don't get enough credit for their feelings and they don't share them as much as women. So they get um, bombarded, um, and cast away kind of is what I feel. So it's definitely changed a lot of the dynamics in my life too. I was raised as a single child and now I have eight half siblings. Oh my. Six on my birth, on my, the paternal side and two on the maternal side. So it's been interesting. And I, you know, there's times where I'm okay with everything that happened. I want, once my, um, once my birth father's wife started and I started communicating, we really started communicating and bless their hearts. I mean, from the get go, they had done, um, a background check on me. They'd searched me in police records. I mean, oh, wow. <laughs> they, I mean, she knew more about me than I probably did. I mean, she got out her, I mean, very in depth, her old annuals. And she, but she's also the one that sent, she bought me books on what an MP was. She's the one that came across the MPE um, data and books. And she knew about Facebook, uh, face group. She even is the one that told me about your podcast, Lily and MPE stories. And she was, I mean, she listened to them in droves. I mean, I could do only about one a day and mm. she, she had the whole two years listened to very quickly. Mm. I think it, so I applaud everybody's actions, you know, the wives, I understood how she felt. Um, I get the feelings. I think some of the feelings probably need to be sifted a little bit with reality because he didn't have an affair on you while you were married. He didn't have an affair while you were engaged. You guys had started dating a little bit, you know, and was he super proud of what happened? No. Um, I asked my mom, on the other hand, it's like, you know, you were married. Um, you had a little bit more responsibility, at least I feel. I, You know, she's like, well, it takes two to tango. Yeah, it does. But if he didn't know you were married, which he said he didn't, and he didn't know that 
you know, there's a level of responsibility that I think you had as a little bit more as a married woman. Um, that being said, you're human and I forgive you and I love you. And I'm really glad I'm here. You know, I really glad I'm alive. So those things are nice. At the same time, I get hurt um, a little bit. I lived for 12 years in that small town where my birth father lived and all of my half siblings were born. And so I was there 12 years. That's where I had all three of my children and I didn't even have a clue. So I could have passed them all in the store, you know, and when um, my birth father's wife and I were talking, you know, like I worked at my taco time, she goes, oh my gosh, me and the kids went through taco time all the time. (laughs) You know, I mean, she has cousins that I rodeoed with. Um, She, you know, she was, um, she did sewing and stuff for a lot of the rodeo and queen contestants. And so there's, there's common ground there, you know, and, and so, but God has a plan. I think waiting as long as he did probably is a good thing based on her initial reaction to the whole thing. I think um, maybe if I would have been exposed anytime sooner, I don't know that, you know, she, she reacted pretty heavily. She would too would say that time is, brings a lot of wisdom into a person's life. So which family member did all of the research? Was that, um, your birth father's wife or one of the half or one of the siblings? Uh, my birth father's wife. Yeah. So she even knew what the term NPE was. Yes. Yep. Wow. That's yeah. rare. Oh, that's it is okay. very rare. And she put in the work. I mean, I give her credit as she was trying to process her feelings and, but she, you know, like any, any woman that has felt like they've been betrayed, she, got out old annuals and yearbooks. She pieced together. She went back to 1972. She went, Mm. I mean, and she, she shared a lot of, she shared all of that with me. We would email story after story. And, and because I'd been through seven years of, of marital counseling with (laughs) my second husband, I mean, I felt like I was really skilled and we both are faith-based. So we had a lot of things in common that could bring us together you know, even as difficult as it was, but yeah, she's the one that bought me my first two MPE books and, and she found a wife's group to be part of. And, and yeah, it was nice to be able to work through those emotions with her. I just think, you know, it was a little bit harder maybe than I had hoped it would be, but their feelings were important. And that's why I told her even about her daughter's you know, it's okay that they feel the way they do. It's unfortunate because I do think I'm friendly and, and I'm confident and, and I'd love just to love people. But again, my love capacity, you know, they say you only have three close friends in life and, you know, the other 12 are associates or something. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you only have time for so many, but I'm, I don't compete with women anymore. I think that's one thing that I learned very, very, it was a huge lesson when I was, um, when my second husband was unfaithful as you, I always felt like I was competing with the women that he were with. And, and I just love women anymore. I, I don't, I'm not going to compete with mm-hmm. another woman ever again, not as a place in a daughter, not in a marriage, nothing. I just mm-hmm. won't do it. I'm going to love them. I'm going to support them. You can like me or not like me. I'm okay with that. Whatever you choose. (laughs) 
I have a question. You may have said this, but about your, okay, let me get this terminology right. It would have been who you thought your, I guess it would have been your BCF, the original mm-hmm. BCF. Yeah. Does he, does he know and your brother know? Well, and- yes. I, so when all, when it did happen, because again, he's the one that said, you know, I don't think you are entitled to the inheritance. I don't think, you know, that you're entitled to my, as much as my brother, blah, blah, Which blah. Which is so unfair, but yes. Yeah, it, it was a little something. And But when all of this happened, then I expo- I actually wrote the county and I got my adoption records because I wanted to know the timing of everything. Because I didn't even know that my mom had gotten remarried, how soon my mom had gotten remarried after I was born. I was, you know, I said January 23 and by March of 74, she was remarried to my birth certificate stepfather. And I, and I say that because again, then the birth certificate father gave me up for adoption. So in my, in my frustrations, I got that paperwork and I just sent it to him. And I said, this right here, you know, when I was 10, you decided whether or not I was entitled to your inheritance. You gave me away. And I it, I mean, adoption papers are very clear. You have no legal right to everything. And in some ways it was, I had never seen the adoption papers. Nobody had ever given me a copy. All I knew was the story and that another man was on my birth certificate. And so that I don't know. It just sat wrong with me. I, I read a lot of the MPEs that want to go and um, get their birth certificate changed. I'm not going to do that. I think that's a lot of work and legal. And I don't even I would not even propose that to my birth father now I, because ugh, goodness, I'm not sure how the family would respond to that nonsense. But I did go get a tattoo. I used my grandma, my grandma Caps's handwriting and and I put established in 2021. And, mm-hmm. you know, so I have a, an, a tattoo of his name on my wrist. And of course, when my mom found out, she's like, you don't do that for me. You know, I'm like, oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Uh, mom, you're on my birth certificate. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's what a neat idea. You were able to use the handwriting of your, to honor that side of the family. Yeah. Well, my birth, birth father's wife. Oh my goodness. Once she got on board and we were talking and, and, and we share a lot. So next thing I know, I have stacks of, I mean, she brought me stacks of uh, her kids' photos when they were little. She brought me stacks. I mean, my, um, my dad's, mom and dad, they hand wrote like their life stories and one of them typed them. So she brought me all of that. I learned, you know, where they were from, things about their faith, how they grew up, read stories about them. I mean, it was phenomenal. I, I, as tough as it's been on her and I hope, I hope deep down she hasn't been too hard on my birth father because he's such a good man. I mean, he's such a good family man and he loves all of his kids and, and that includes me. And he's made that very, very abundantly clear to anyone. And, um, you know, again, they're very well known and prominent couple in a very small community. And so I do understand how this reflects on them. Um, but she, she's been great. I, I have to give her a a, a lot of credit for her Mm -hmm. support, even through processing her own emotions. She has thought a lot about me. She got me, you know, sat down with, um, 
my aunt and went through, you know, health stuff. Because as she read all these books about MPEs, she really began to understand what they were going through. And so while she was going through what she was, she also wanted, you know, to help me as best she could too. So that was really sweet and has continued to be sweet. Mm-hmm. I love them. They're great people. Oh, I love to hear it. Yeah. I'll put in as a resource for this episode, the DNA Angels link is as well, the search angels that will for free, they're 501c3. Is that how it's called? That when a nonprofit organization will, they will help people find their birth parents for free, adoptees, NPEs, um, donor conceived persons. And if you want to even find additional family members, they'll do it for a small fee. And they, of course, will always accept donations. But I I'll put them as a resource since they were able to assist you and, and your sister. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. what's wonderful. I will, you know, I went to a dinner with them a, a couple months ago and while we were sitting in a two hour dinner, they had six NP. Well, I don't know if they're NPs or adoptees, six people submit requests for searches just in yeah. like a two hour time frame. It was, it's a lot I of see work. A lot of submissions. My heart goes out. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's just been amazing. I I think you guys are doing such a great thing on right to know too. I haven't, here's the thing with me and it's good, bad, or I love how it's kind of for you, this has become something that you're just super involved in. The same holds true with like at the TAPS organization when my son was killed, some of those moms and wives, they get so involved, like that becomes part of just their life and everything that they do. And I'm just not there. I'll support them and, and do little things, but I just can't stay in either of those places. Um, you know? Oh yeah. It's no, it gets a lot because once you commit to a service project, but then all of a sudden emotionally, you're like, I need to take a step back for a month. Well, yeah, that's hard to do. So it it's, is hard. Yep. I completely get it. I'm, yeah. I get it so completely. I'm just like, I can't get all the way in, you know, yes. but I do like the right to know because even for my, uh, for my sister, I would like to see the adoption records be at, at a certain time that they could, the States can release them to them. Because I was able to get mine because it was like half adoption. It wasn't, you know, full adoption. So the record Mm -hmm. wasn't sealed. So it was just a legal transaction Mm -hmm. between two private citizens, you know. Um, But it's not like a full on adoption. So my Mm -hmm. records weren't sealed. But there's still information that she would like to know. Of course. Get it. And I will put in their link below as well. Right to Know is working on going uh, working on advocacy work right now with every state uh, legally trying to get birth certificates unsealed and available to people. That's yeah, that's wonderful. Okay, well, let me re- remind me, Nikki. Are you? If people wanted to contact you, um, you said yes, you were available to yes. do that, correct? Okay, all right. Mm-hmm. What is the best way for them to contact you? My email address is Kramer K R A M E R dot Nikki, N-I-K-E-E at yahoo.com. I will put in your email address below in the episode notes. Oh, Nikki, thank you so much for, for waiting. And then today, taking time out of your schedule to share your story today. I appreciate it so much. I appreciate you too, Lily. These stories are here for us to identify with. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, email npestories at gmail.com. You do not have to give any identifying information. 
If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, I'd like to hear from you. Subscribe to this podcast to hear more. Come heal with us.